When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It's the Tuesday pod. Doug Maurice from Cleveland.com. Something a little different today. Two interviews, two very different ones, two interesting ones, I think. First, Brett Ciancia. He is the owner, creator, founder of Pick Six Previews. So we previewed the Ohio State football season. Talked about Ohio State as a playoff contender. Talked about Oregon as a playoff contender. Talked about whether Ryan Day is an offensive genius. Brett is uh, putting out his preview. He provided some good information. Again, we always like that national context, putting the Buckeyes in the national context. So that's up first for about 25 minutes, just me and Brett talking. Second interview, a little different, the TikTok doc. Jason Campbell, he's an anesthesiologist resident in Oregon, but he's a graduate of the Ohio State Medical School. And he does dances. Uh, I saw him because he does dances on social media, and he did a dance-off with Brutus that Ohio State said, hey, we're going to have Brutus do a dance-off with the TikTok doc. But this guy is a football fan. He tells a great story about being um, rushing the field when Ohio State had to come back against Penn State. Uh, While he was here in medical school, he talks about dealing with COVID-19, working in hospitals. He talks about what's going on uh, with with social and racial justice um, in the world right now. He's just an interesting guy with an Ohio State background who wears Ohio State stuff around all the time. And it's just something a little different. And I just thought this is an expert. This is somebody who's dealing with COVID-19 on a daily basis. But he's really optimistic and interesting. And he's in the heart of it all. And he's just an upbeat guy, and I love his Twitter feed. And so we just talked about some of that stuff. But he tells some great football stories. He tells some really interesting firsthand experience of dealing with COVID-19. And it's just a little bit of a change-up here on Buckeye Talk. So I I really think you guys will enjoy that. That'll be second for about half an hour. So those are the two interviews today. Wednesday, I know you guys like it when the three of us are together. Wednesday will be me, Stephen, Nathan, a big Wednesday pod rapid fire. 20 rapid-fire questions for our big Wednesday pod. So we'll get back to that. But for now, these two interviews here on Buckeye Talk, try the text at 614-350-3315. Drop us reviews. But we'll kick it off with Brett Ciancia, and then we're going to merge right in to uh, Jason Campbell, the TikTok doc, and then we'll come back and say goodbye. Thanks to you guys for listening to Buckeye Talk. 
Happy to be joined on Buckeye Talk by Brett Ciancia from Pick 6 Previews. And Brett, I say from Pick 6 Previews, but you are Pick 6 Previews. You started this from scratch, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, started this in 2012. It's an annual season preview book. Um, last year was our, our first one on sale. And, um, you know, since the release of the 2019 book, I've been invited to become a Heisman Trophy voter. So, uh, you know, very, very humbled by that, the ultimate honor and uh, excited to we have just I've just launched my 2020 book last weekend. Uh, so let's talk about that. You now you analyze. Do you focus on the power five teams in college football? Do you do all 130 in major college football? How do you focus your energies? Yeah, so this is a complete one-man operation. Uh, I cover all 65 Power 5 teams plus Notre Dame and BYU. Um, and what that is is, you know, it's a 1,000 hours of film study, of calls with coaches and coordinators. I have my advanced stats and metrics in there, um, you know, spring games when we have them. Um, and, and the key being that I, I have those analytics, I have the numbers, but I put it back into a readable form, and you really get to, you know, get the story of each program. Um, and uh, I like to break down the coaching schemes a bit more than some of the other magazines because I'm, I'm fascinated by, you know, in the NFL, there's 32 programs or organizations, and they all are pretty identical except for that logo on the helmet. Um, but when you talk college football, there's a million different ways to get to the end result of winning football. I mean, different offensive schemes, defensively, uh, different personnel. You're talking about recruiting strategies, branding, the geography element of college football is uh, uh, fascinating to me. So, Anyways, long story short, it's all 65 teams. Uh, it's pretty in-depth, and uh, I'm, I'm excited by the uh, national reception so far. Nice. All right, so we want to talk to you about Ryan Day and his offensive way of doing things, but I want to start with players first. And we're not going to give away all your information for Ohio State fans who want to go pick up your pick six previews. But I will tell our loyal Buckeye Talk listeners that you have Justin Fields as your first-team quarterback, preseason All-American. You have Trevor Lawrence second. We know – that this college football season and maybe the next 10 years of their pro careers is going to be a million direct comparisons between Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. We know they played high school, uh, 15 or 20 miles, high school football, 15 or 20 miles from each other. They faced each other on the field in the Fiesta Bowl last year. Like it or not, these guys are not going to get away from each other. Um, they may be, they may wind up as compared as any two quarterbacks in, in modern football history. It's a razor's edge, I would imagine, right? But just in your breakdown, as you talk to people, as you look at things, what made you give whatever kind of edge you gave to Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence as we go into 2020? Yeah, it, that's a good point and a good question. Um, well, first off, Justin Fields is the only returning Heisman candidate from last year, the only returning Heisman finalist from last year. So right away, he had the better year in terms of, you know, in the eyes of the voter. Um, but in terms of 2020 and going forward, I look at, uh, yeah, so Fields, 51 total touchdowns last year to just three picks. Um, and, of course, there was only one or two in the regular season. So um, that's also sitting out a lot of second halves and fourth quarters amid some of these blowout wins. So uh, incredibly productive last year. Um, and also he brings a dual threat element that I don't think that Lawrence uh, brings. Um, couple of that with how Trevor Lawrence played in the first half of 2019, uh, some picks. You know, and again, we're comparing two elite quarterbacks, but uh, he, he was a little bit turnover prone at the beginning of last season. Uh, and going forward, I, I like the, the stable of playmakers that, that uh, Fields has around him, especially at the receiver core, more than what Clemson has this year. So I think he's, he's going to air it out again and, and match that incredible production. Brett, you probably don't know this, but everybody listening to this does. But last year, I predicted that Ohio State would go 
nine and three. And I was only off by three games. <laughs> so they went 12 and 0 in the regular season. You have in bold in your publication that you were the only publication to pick Ohio State in the playoff last year. For, we know that there were, it was just a hard to get a read a little bit on what exactly you thought Ohio State was going to be and when they were going to be it when you had a first-year head coach in Ryan Day and a first-year head coach in Justin Fields. As we look forward with your analysis to 2020, let's give you some props looking back for 2019. What was it a year ago that made you predict Ohio State as a playoff team and predict them correctly in the 2019 season? Yeah, thanks for uh, pointing out that praise there. Um, yeah, so if we look back a year from uh, a year ago from now, a lot of people had Michigan. Most people had Michigan winning the Big Ten and going to the playoff. Uh, it was pretty rare to go with Ohio State. People, like you said, were scared of the coaching change and the quarterback change. But for me, I felt pretty comfortable with the Ryan Day coaching change, first off, because we already saw a sample size of him as the head coach, you know, as an interim, those first three games of 2018. And in those three games and across the whole 2018 season, you started to see Ryan Day's offensive influence, where uh, if you flash back to the Meyer days, Incredibly productive, yes, but um, there was a lot of quarterback design run. It was kind of just smashing it in the box a bit, especially once Tom Herman left. He lost a little bit of that vertical pass game. But when Ryan Day took over, you saw Dwayne Haskins really lighting up the, you know, airing the ball out, spreading the ball around, and it was a, a great offense. So uh, that, I already, I was pretty confident that the offense would stay strong in 2019. But also I saw a very young defense in 2018, uh, all coming back as veterans in 19. And, and of course, you have that blue chip talent that, you know, five star and top three recruiting every year. Uh, and I was, I was, uh, you know, I was intrigued by the defensive coordinator hires too, with Halfley and Madison coming in. Uh, their goal was to simplify the system because at times during 18, you saw these linebackers and some of these defenders kind of hesitate and really overthinking. It was a very complex system, but I liked the idea of scrapping that, throw it out the window and let these athletes play loose and free and fast. And you saw it happen. So, uh, that was kind of the logic then. And the last bit was, Hey, you have the number one quarterback in the nation coming in, Justin Fields. Um, you know, the recruiting rankings, can they miss now and again? Yes, but they're more right than wrong. I knew they had a talent there with Fields, so it all clicked. Uh, they they even exceeded my expectations. It was an all-time team last year and uh, came up a few 50-50 calls short. Brett, I'm going to give you some advice. Don't – you nailed it, so you don't have to say they exceeded my expectations. Just say something like, I was exactly right. I nailed it. Just take all that credit, baby, because maybe someday you'll be as wrong. Maybe not. I was really wrong last year with nine and three. So when you're wrong, you got to own it. But, baby, when you picked Ohio State for the playoff, you get all that credit. I don't, I'm going to imagine that, Brett, you thought to yourself in your head, they will be a dominant force from game one to game 13. Um, I, I always love when I have guys like you, Brett, because what you can do that's different than what I can do and what Stephen Means and Nathan Barrett can do here as Ohio State writers is put Ohio State within context. And that is so valuable to our listeners. Again, I'm not going to give away your whole magazine, but you have Big Ten unit ranks. Mm -hmm. Running back, quarterback, receiver, tight end, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, defensive back. I'll just tell people you have Ohio State ranked pretty high in all of them. How would you describe how you view Ohio State compared to how you view the next best teams in the Big Ten? And, you know, 
that's probably Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, with what they teams have done in recent years. I think those are the next three best teams um, mm-hmm. consistently behind Ohio State. There's, Minnesota maybe is coming on. But how would you describe the level of talent and what you think the level of expectation should be between Ohio State and everybody else in this conference? Yeah, I think what you're seeing in the Big Ten is uh, is a gap forming between Ohio State and the rest of the pack here. Um, and it's it's not unique to the Big Ten. You're seeing this in the ACC with Clemson. You're seeing it uh, somewhat with Oklahoma. They've won five straight over there in the Big 12. But here in the Big Ten, yeah, I mean, Ohio State, it's an absolute machine that's been built by Meyer and now continued with Day. Uh, he's acing his coordinator hires. Um, another thing is, you know, some, some programs also recruit at this elite level, this top five level. Uh, some programs squander the talent. You see programs like Texas and USC and Florida State, uh, whether it be coaching or, or fit or culture or whatever buzzword you want to use, it doesn't convert to wins and, and, and NFL production. Not the issue here with Ohio State. In fact, you guys, as an Ohio State program, uh, one of the best NFL producers out there, uh, and they live up to their five-star and high four-star billing. So uh, I, I see no issue going forward. I think this machine's going to keep rolling. Um, and until Michigan can really prove it on the field and, and, and actually beat Ohio State, I can't see the, the torch being passed. Now, one last note is uh, Penn State was close a few years ago. Uh, obviously, they pulled the upset in 2016 on that block field goal. Uh, in 17 and 18, you can even argue that Penn State outplayed Ohio State uh, until those furious comebacks in the fourth quarter. What you saw last year was a game that was more dominant than that 28-17 score. Of course, you had fields with a, a rare fumble at the goal line, stuff like that, where I started to see the gap widen. Um, I think that the gap between Penn State is now large enough to be uh, in reload status for Ohio State, where even if they lose a lot of pros like they usually do, I still pencil them in right away as the number one team in the conference. You have your Big Ten predictions uh, in your preview, but maybe even beyond predictions, sometimes you, you know, I think when you make predictions, you have to just think, what you believe is more likely based on the evidence, you know, but is there a team in the big 10 that you think maybe even it's not exactly how you have them ranked, but that you think really has an upside or really could be a dark horse this year or could challenge in some way. Um, You know, I'm not asking if is Rutgers going to win 10 games or anything, Um, but is there somebody in the big 10 that you like this year beyond Ohio state? Well, it's funny you bring up Rutgers. I thought it was a pretty bold move. I moved them out of last place for the first time in I don't know how many years. The uh, next them- year's magazine, you will have in bold. I was the only <laughs> magazine to not predict Rutgers to finish last. And yeah, right. if you finish sixth, you will own this, Brett. I, I felt very odd putting them sixth, but um, there they are. So, yeah, Maryland's Maryland has some issues going forward. But um, in terms of outside of Ohio State, um, yeah, so in the West, it's no surprise. I do have Wisconsin winning it again. Uh, with Wisconsin, it's interesting. It's almost just like a copy machine. You, you know, you carbon copy the same Wisconsin program every year since 1999. And, uh, you're going to get, you know, they, they reload the same offensive line. You know, they'll have a stable of backs and some guy will emerge and rush for 2000 yards. The defense always produces linebackers. So Wisconsin will probably win the West again. Um, Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, if Minnesota can reload their defense, I see them, uh, you know, not missing a step. That's a big if. But I know that their offense brings everyone back. Tanner Morgan was super efficient with the ball. Rashad Bateman actually made my All-American team as a receiver. So a lot of playmakers there. Um, and then it, within the East, kind of a sleeper team. And sleeper in quotes, because I think I'm not saying they're going to challenge for the division title, but maybe top 25 caliber would be Indiana. 
Um, this is a program, it's the first time in Pick 6 Previews history that I have Indiana breaking into the top four of the East Division. And uh, when you think of Indiana, that's a program that, yeah, they're 1-23 against the big four uh, in the East Division. But if you look back at those games, it seems they're close all the time. They're always a score away, um, you know, always, almost able to strike these upsets. I think finally that, that reverses and they get some of these close wins. It's a strong defense built by Tom Allen. I actually had a chance to talk to him on the phone. He was one of my head coach interviews. Um, yeah, just really impressed with what they're building there for a, historically a, a pretty down program. So um, look for Indiana to maybe shock and, and, and pull some upsets and get in that eight or nine win range. How does Michael Penix at quarterback factor into your Indiana evaluation? It seems like that guy might have some upside. Yeah, he definitely has a lot of upside. Um, he's injury prone. That's kind of an issue where this happened last year. He was hot and cold. He was injured. He was he was in. Um, they had to bring Peyton Ramsey back in um, when Penix was injured. And Ramsey was super efficient, super accurate with the ball. Um, and this might be a stretch, but for any NFL fans, um, I'm a I'm a Pennsylvanian, so I'm a you know I'm, a, I'm an Eagles fan. It reminded me of the Wentz and Foles kind of the yo-yoing of quarterbacks, where Carson Wentz had the first round grade and the you know the high upside but was very injury prone. And then they'd have to pull in Nick Foles, who, yeah, he might not have had the, you know, the, the crazy upside, but he was super efficient. The team rallied behind him and got the, got the win. So that was kind of your Ramsey and Penix last year. Now Ramsey transferred out to Northwestern, uh, leaving them a little bit, uh, some issues with depth at quarterback Indiana. But if Penix stays healthy, yeah, he brings a, a higher level of talent than they've had in, in recent history. All right, before we get back to Ryan Day and your views on the Ryan Day offense, I do want to touch nationally. Again, I don't want to give everything away, but you like Oregon. This Ohio State-Oregon game is scheduled for week two. Uh, who knows if it's going to be played? What do you like? We've, we've previewed Oregon uh, on this podcast with an Oregon writer, but as a national writer, what is it that makes you believe that Oregon is a legit playoff contender in 2020 because I think that's something that Ohio State fans need to have their antenna up about um, that as it stands Ohio State is playing a team that's a playoff contender in week two yeah Oregon really caught my eye last December when well let me take a step back historically you picture Oregon as the Chip Kelly offense the speed the flash the gadget offense right but maybe not able to stand up in the trenches against some of these blue bloods um, that's exactly the opposite of what Mario Cristobal has built here. Uh, are they fast? Yes. On the outsides, they still have the speed, but they are built from the trenches out. It's very strong. Uh, I saw them in the last two games. So in December against Utah, uh, which was considered a top defensive line, their offensive line, Oregon's just mauled their front. I mean, it was, it was impressive in the trenches. And then a, a month later in the Rose Bowl against a great rushing offense and offensive line in Wisconsin, they held them a hundred yards below their rushing average. So, I saw them go in the trenches against two really strong teams, outperform them. Uh, and then when you fast forward a year now to 2020, uh, 10 of their 11 defensive starters are back. The only one vacancy is a linebacker, and they're going to fill that with two five-star guys battling for the linebacker spot. So right away, top five defense. You can, you can write that in and pen. On offense, uh, yeah, they have to replace four of those linemen I talked about, but the four guys rising up are all higher recruits than the four predecessors. And, I know, like I said, that recruiting isn't always right on, but Mario Cristobal is an, a proven offensive line guru, and I think they're going to get uh, solid play. And, oh, by the way, the one returning starter is Penny Sewell, the best lineman in the country who won the Outland. So I think it's a very strong team. And in my prediction logic, even if they lose to Ohio State, and I'm kind of even throwing that game out, say they lose it, I think they still go 9-0 and in the Pac-12 and finish 12-1 and 
and uh, and the Pac-12 finally gets the representative back in the playoff. So that is you have you have Oregon as the four seed in the playoff, Ohio State as the two seed in the playoff. So that would be fascinating, and, and certainly not illogical and not impossible. I think that scenario that you're outlining, and that's the thing about these games like this, it doesn't have to kill you if you take care of business. Uh, and the rest of your games, right? So as people pointed right. out last year with Oregon, they lose to Auburn early, but if they had taken care of business in the, in the Pac-12 and not been upset, they, they probably would have been in the playoffs. So that's the scenario uh, you're pointing out. And I think the same would hold true for Ohio State. If they somehow go to Oregon and lose, but they take care of business in the Big Ten, uh, Penn State and Michigan uh, are probably good enough programs that go in undefeated, being the Big Ten champ, beating a team like Wisconsin or Minnesota in the Big Ten championship game should be enough to get Ohio State in, even if they somehow lose to Oregon. So I do think there absolutely is a scenario where uh, if the loser of Ohio State-Oregon doesn't lose again, it could wind up with both those teams in the playoff. Um, I, I want to get to your scheme coaching analysis because I think this is an important thing for Ohio State fans as they still are understanding. We're all still understanding and curious about Ryan Day and what his future is at Ohio State. You have some uh, rating systems where you have a 10-year offensive grade and a 10-year defensive grade on programs uh, across the country, your offensive and defensive trends. You have Ohio State offensively as the third-ranked offense over the last 10 years. We know that Ryan Day was the offensive coordinator in 1718, um, the head coach in 19. Why, what, do you, what do you think of your placement of Ohio State as third in the last 10 years of offense? Let's start there. Ohio State third offensively. What went into that rating for you over the last decade? Yeah, so this is a, a new stat that I put in, a new graphic that I put in on each team page. It, you know, because in, in my head I was thinking about, so – if Oklahoma puts up 500 yards on Kansas, right, and Ohio State puts the same 500 yards up on Wisconsin, a top five defense, those two, those are two different outcomes to me. Uh, and also, when you consider if Oklahoma did it in, on 100 snaps and Ohio State did it on half the snaps, 50 snaps. So with that example in mind, I tried to scale this to opponent strength and the pace of play in these games because Big 12 football is a lot faster, more snaps and more yards than uh, an average Big 10 game. So um, you know, opponent adjusted, pace adjusted. Um, I, I analyzed every offense and defense the last 10 years and put a percentile grade on it. Um, and that might sound like a, a word salad here, but uh, if you check out the book, it's a very clear graphic and you can visually see each coordinator, how they performed. But yeah, so over the last, over the 2010s decade, the entire decade, Ohio State grades third in that metric. So compared to the defense they played against, they are, are third in the nation. And uh, you really see an uptick in 2017. Uh, when Day and Kevin Wilson really got involved and started taking over, um, took what was, you know, an above average unit in 16 to a nation's elite in 2017. And actually last year was second to only LSU in this metric. So, um, yeah, definitely a step up. I think what you saw is the return of the vertical pass game uh, really pushes the secondary a little bit further back off the line, giving more room for a downhill punishing run game in the middle um, compared to, yeah, I think in 2016 and, and 20, even 2015, uh, Myers offenses just tried to ram it into the box there. You know, JT Barrett taking 20 carries a game, that kind of thing. Uh, did it win games? Yes. But in terms of these offensive metrics and, and really taking it to the next level, I think that, uh, what you saw the last two years was a step up. So when you analyze teams like this and teams across the country, what's your evaluation of Ryan Day, uh, 
as a play caller, as an offensive schemer, as a guy who uh, attacks defenses in the way he does is how do you compare Ryan Day to some of the other uh, very best offensive minds in college football? Yeah, I think he's an offensive genius. I, I don't say that lightly. I, I mean, if you look at his track record across the country, um, you know, being the, the hand-picked successor from Urban Meyer uh, are very high credentials. And then when you look at just his two years of, you know, his two uh, seasons here, 18, um, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is he really uh, caters to his personnel and his scheme uh, matches that. So in, in 18 with Dwayne Haskins, a big NFL arm, not much of a runner, uh, he was able to spread the ball around and, and really, I never thought I'd see Ohio State throw the ball 70 times in a game, but it happened. Um, it's crazy to think about, but based off his personnel, his receiver core, uh, he really played to the strengths of that year. And fast forward to 2019 now with a more veteran offensive line, um, or, you know, blue chip offensive line and J.K. Dobbins behind it. He really got back to the run game a bit, uh, still kept the vertical pass game involved, but you saw it more of a balanced running and passing compared to the pass heavy. Uh, 2018. So a long way of saying, I think compared to what personnel he has on hand, uh, he's able to scheme up these opponents pretty well. And I mean, it just, you know, the, the proof of concept comes in the two Michigan games where coming in Michigan is a top five defense and it's just like they're playing on air both years, uh, you know, putting up 56 points last year, um, the 45, 24 and 18. So uh, yeah, I think it's offensive genius work. And now he has the best, some of the best, uh, recruits in the country playing for him. Brett, why did you start doing this? What made you decide to get into the college football preview national analysis business? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, growing up, uh, we were always a college football family. Uh, every Saturday in the fall was like a holiday. You had the four screens going for 12 hours. It just became a, you know, a passion of mine with my dad. Um, but, but as you know, going forward, I started to buy all these preseason magazines growing up. Uh, I liked a lot of them. I saw some areas where maybe they didn't dig in as deep, but really um, you started to see some of the national guys and, you know, a lot of them do great work, but a lot of them like to focus on just the Alabamas, the Clemsons, right? So I wanted to be able to dig in and I love talking about all 66 of these programs. I mean, I could talk your ear off an hour about Kansas and their offensive scheme they just put in and how Let's they're trying to fix the, yeah, right. Oop. And how they're trying to fix their high school recruiting. So it's just a crazy passion of mine. I think Twitter was also huge where, uh, I started putting out my stats, my information, my opinions, um, and graphics, and it really took off. I mean, you guys know college football fans are, are very uh, obsessive and just love love the sport and the passion and the rivalry. So it really took off on Twitter and, and built up a following there, and now uh, seeing a lot of positive feedback with the book. So I think that, um, you know, I, I've wanted to, to do a deep dive in all 66 programs, and I think with this book I pulled it off. If I could name a single Kansas player, I would be happy to go into an hour-long deep dive on Kansas <laughs> with you right now. But uh, I always say that uh, I get paid to cover Ohio State, and then I, I bring in people like you, Brett, to provide yeah. the analysis from around the country. Uh, yeah. Brett, if people want to partake in Pick 6 Previews, how could they do that? Yeah, thanks. It's uh, The Twitter is at Pick 6 Previews, all spelled out. And then uh, to see the magazine, the, the preview book, it's pick6previews.com. Uh, you'll see it on there. Um, what I have on there to do is a couple sample pages because I understand I'm a newer product on the market. So I have a couple teams up there that you can really see the, the set of graphics, the level of detail that I go into. I also have some testimonials up there. I just got a big one from uh, – he's known as the bear on college game day. Chris Felica uh, calls it a must read. So I was pretty excited about that. And also uh, to you Ohio State listeners out there, I want to extend a, a discount code uh, for giving me a look. Uh, if you type in Buckeyes at checkout, you get a nice discount and 
And uh, make sure to give me some feedback on what you think of the book and the Ohio State write-up. And I uh, appreciate it. I just want to make clear uh, for the people who pay $3.99 for our tech subscription every month, no discount. You're paying <laughs> the full rate. Brett is a nice guy. He offers discounts. We do not offer discounts at Cleveland.com. Brett, man, great to talk to you. Best of yeah, luck. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, congratulations on being more correct about Ohio State last year than I, than I was. But hopefully we can, uh, we can have you on Buckeye Talk again down the line sometime. Yeah, thanks, Doug. Thanks for the praise and for having me on. And uh, hopefully we're both right and, and see Ohio State going back to the playoffs. I think they're, uh, they're a machine and they're going to get right back. So uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Brett. All right, joined on Buckeye Talk by Dr. Jason Campbell, the TikTok talk. And Jason, I've realized the problem here is that our podcast listeners can't see you dance. What are we going to do? We have to just describe your dancing ability to the people who are listening on audio. But Jason, thank you so much for joining us here. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. All right. So basically, I wanted to talk to you because you are uplifting me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. The world is, uh, there's a lot going on in the world right now. And you are involved in all of it. And you came to my attention because uh, Ohio State put out uh, a a tweet about uh, Brutus. Brutus Buckeye, you and he were having a, a, a socially distanced dance-off from two different parts of the country. Um, That's right. I, th- I thought, who is this TikTok doc? So, Jason, you are a graduate of Ohio State's medical school. Can you just tell us a little bit about who you are before you start telling us about all the things I'm going to ask you about? Absolutely. So, yes. So I am a graduate of the Ohio State University College of Medicine in 2018. Uh, Before that, uh, I'm a native of Northwest Washington, D.C., and I went to Emory University uh, before becoming a Buckeye, uh, where I studied anthropology and human biology and was pre-med. And and that's where actually I ran track. Uh, I was an 800 guy, so a student athlete. Um, and was very fortunate to captain the Emory University track and field team in my time there. Uh, And so then back in D.C. for a few years, and then to Columbus, 614, uh, the Ohio State. Uh, We're actually in my last semester, last two semesters of medical school, I got a chance to work with Coach Karen Dennis, uh, the head of the Ohio State University Track and Field Program, and uh, Coach Kadibas Robinson, one of my longtime track idols. Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm bleeding scarlet and gray, and, uh, and I'm really happy to be here today. So how, how did you become or how did you decide to become the TikTok doc? Because you are out there dancing for the world, Jason. Yes, thank you. Um, so when I was at Ohio State, there was a uh, transplant fellow surgeon, uh, Latifa Sage-Silski, Dr. Sage-Silski, and she was just very upbeat. She she had a actually dance background as well. And I would see her running, walking through the halls and singing and dancing. And I was like, man, this is this is great. Like, what good energy is someone who's so intelligent and is such a hard worker. And, it, you know, that kind of, I was like, I you know, I kind of want to be like that. I want to be like Dr. Safe uh, who's still a close friend and mentor. And, um, and I've always been dancing. And so I said, why not just do it? Just try it. And, and you know, this is how I am. And if you want to put a video online, see what happens. So Jason, you, you are getting your message out there now and just under, for instance, on your Twitter feed and people, um, who want to follow you can follow you at Dr. JC of the DC. So that's Dr. Jason Campbell of the DC. Dr. JC of the DC is your Twitter handle right under your video of you and Brutus dancing. 
you just have a photo of a sunset and it says life does not come with instructions on how to live, but it does come with trees, sunsets, smiles, and laughter. So enjoy your day. Mm. But your days right now, you're fighting, you're in the hospitals dealing with the effects of COVID-19. How are you able to keep that attitude in what has been a very, I'm sure, trying time for the medical community across this entire country and, and doctors and nurses and EMTs and all the people who are on the front lines fighting COVID-19. How do you keep up your positive outlook? Yes, I think um, it's perspective. It's, uh, perspective is a, is, a, is a huge piece of that. Uh, certainly for both my colleagues out here in Oregon my colleagues that are um, in Columbus, I know that this is something uh, obviously unprecedented and something that we, we didn't see coming. But before COVID-19, there was a lot of sick patients, a lot of illness, a lot of despair that we face day to day. And after COVID-19 is, is done, there will still be, you know, there'll be um, traumas happening to, to children and there will be patients that have cancer that have to say goodbye to loved ones uh, and, and all these different things that unfortunately we, um, hope we never get used to, but we certainly have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. And so for me right now, I, you know, I just try to have a, just a great deal of perspective. I'm very fortunate to be where I am. Ohio State, the Ohio State was, was my dream medical school to get into. I got in there and, and, you know, to then have them create and turn me into uh, a budding physician. And now to be out here in, at Oregon Health and Science University, another institute that is once again, exactly where I want it to be. It just, I try to just keep that perspective and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm where I've always wanted to be and I get a chance to serve people. I get a chance to help people. And, uh, and it's just, it's incredibly rewarding, you know, despite obviously all the pressures and, and the, the tumultuous time. When, when you choose to go into the medical profession and you choose to put in the time uh, and the energy and the effort and the skills and everything, and the intelligence that it takes to be a doctor, on some level, is this why you do it? This is like the this is like the one of the worst things that has happened in the lifetimes of most of our citizens. But yet on some level, I mean, this I would imagine you feel like this is part of your calling to some degree. Right. Absolutely. And I think as a trainee, uh, as a resident, it, it can be a little bit different at times because I think, you know, we're, we're not a student, but we're obviously we're not the attending. We're not a staff physician. But when I saw and when I see my staff physicians, you know, some that are that are pregnant coming into work every day because we need to take care of these patients, it just really it shows me who I want to be and what I'm what I'm striving to become. And so, like you said, this is yeah, this is it's kind of what you train for. And and although it's it's tough, it's you know someone has to do it, and and we're very fortunate and very very blessed that it's it's our it's our time and it's our job to do it. I want to get more into that, but I do have a question. When you go to medical school at Ohio State, do you have time to go to the football games on Saturday? Do you watch the football games on Saturday, or are you just studying the whole time? I don't know what the right answer is here. So, yes, we have we, uh, lots of studying. Uh, let, me, let me put that out there some ID to make sure they're listening. But uh, definitely got a chance to go to some football games. A quick shout-out to Dr. Peter Shields, who's a, a close colleague of my mother, uh, when they were both at Georgetown together. And uh, he, let me, he let me borrow his tickets a few times. Um, and so I went to the Ohio State-Penn State game, uh, the, 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 the comeback heard around the world. Oh, yeah. uh, JT Barrett, yeah, uh, rushed the field. Uh, so imagine rushing the field as a grad student or as a medical student, you know, and I mean, uh, it was, it was incredible. I mean, I've never, I don't think I've ever hugged other 
guys that I did not know so tightly with so much joy and I think maybe even tears when he threw that touchdown across the middle and uh and and, and we went up we went ahead I mean I just I, I I mean I'm a big you know NFC East grew up on the East Coast so I've grown up with NFL for my whole life but I don't think I've ever been that you know th- th- those emotions of like we're not going to win this game to like maybe we're going to win to oh my god we are going to win I mean yeah I, that's a memory that I will always cherish that's crazy. Isn't that crazy what sports can do to us? I mean, it's unbelievable. It's amazing. It's amazing. You said, so you're from the D.C. area. Are you a Redskins fan? I am. Yep. So yep. what do you think so of the have... idea of so much of, a, of the Washington Redskins future now being built on the backs of Ohio State with Dwayne Haskins, Chase Young, and Terry McLaurin? What do you mean? I love it. I love the Haskins to McLaurin. I love that on the defensive side now we have, you know, I think a future Hall of Famer without a doubt. Um, so uh, yeah, I love it, and I, you know, I'm hoping that we can maybe even get some coaches in there. And I'm just I'm just living vicariously through this whole thing. Six one four two zero two, Columbus to DC. So I'm curious when you said getting into Ohio State's medical school was was just a great experience for you. What's that like when you are at a place like Emory, which for your undergrad, which is obviously a very prestigious institution. And Thank then you're you. applying to medical school. How nerve wracking is applying to medical school and like waiting to figure, because if people go to college, I mean, you have some degree of that. Most of us did not go to medical school. What's that experience like? And do you remember how you felt the moment that you found out, oh yeah, I got into Ohio State? Oh, yes, I do. Um, so first I'll say that experience is, is tough. It's so competitive. Um, and, you know, we go to like you I really appreciate your kind words about Emory. Like you go to a, you know, a top institution for undergrad and yes, that means something, but getting into medical school is a completely different beast, completely different. I applied and interviewed at Ohio State. I interviewed January 8th of 2014. See, I I still remember it like it was yesterday. I got waitlisted. I was, I was tutoring my former dance instructor's daughter at my high school, my alma mater, it was May 1st, I think, when my phone started ringing. Of course, it was turned over, so I wasn't going to be distracted while I was tutoring. I then, you know, it started to buzz. I just turned it over just to take a little glance, and I saw 614, and I was just so excited. I think maybe a little tear came down, and uh, my daughter, my former daughter, I was like, congratulations, and I remember, you know, answering the phone, and it was the uh, admissions, uh, director saying, Jason, do you still want to come to Ohio State? And I was like, of course I do. So um, yeah, very special moment. You know, a lot of hard work goes into that a lot. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Much less hard work goes into being a sports writer, just so you know. Oh, it's hey, I, I, read, I, read a, I read a few op-eds. I wouldn't say that. You guys, it's, it's not that easy. Have good content. One one hundredth. One one hundredth amount of the work of being a doctor. Um, okay. So Jason, on this list again, going through your Twitter feed, and I don't just like your dancing; I like the rest of it. You have a little wrap on there that you did, just a little ten-second wrap mm. about wearing a mask. You are in the hospital. You are seeing this up close and personal, and you are a football fan. Yeah. And this is obviously bigger than football, but you agree to be on a football podcast. And it's okay, I think, yeah. for us to realize that sports are important. That part, yeah. that aspect of our lives, we do all the other stuff so that we have the ability to have fun and that we have the right. ability to care about things that don't actually matter. 
That's how mm. you know you're a functioning, successful society is that you can care about things that don't really matter. So mm -hmm. I, I like people being passionate about sports. Where, in your opinion, as someone, as a resident who is seeing this stuff firsthand, what does this country, and I understand that it's a, as the virus moves through the country at different times at different places, things do change. What does this country have to do to have football in the fall? And, and where are you right now at the end of June? Where are you on the idea of this country having football in the fall? Ooh, what a question. Let me just say, the Ohio State is supposed to come to Oregon this fall. Week maybe two. September 12th, week, week two. two so, so, so let me say that you already know that I was like looking forward to that, like TikTok doc, you know, VIP. No, I don't actually know any of that. But my point is that I was very much or am very much looking forward to that. That being said, 100,000 fans in a stadium without mask, with no vaccine is dangerous. You know, um, I think that putting together large groups of persons has their risk. Um, I think that wearing masks certainly mitigates those risks and, and, and lowers them as well. I um, wish that we had a vaccine that was going to be out before the start of football season. It's pretty evident that that's low in the likelihood. We're hoping, I think, as Dr. Fauci says, for the fall to winter. Um, I'm not opposed to say that teams couldn't play. I do think that having fans in the stand is a is it, we're, we're a pretty far cry from that, unfortunately. And I think that's what you're going to see across the board with all the the sports. But um, you know, but also you know, got to have tests, got to isolate. I mean, there's a lot of factors that have to go into having football in the fall. If all those factors were to come to fruition and people were willing to to go through the the nasal pharyngeal swabs and 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 you know, okay, 48 hours of, of delay to find out and waiting or being isolated if you do test positive i think it's possible but i think that you have to have a lot of buy-in you know and that's the problem so for anyone listening to this and and on this podcast we've said we're not going to just randomly talk about this stuff we're going to try to about when we do talk about it talk about it in a smart way uh again it's a football podcast but but this is an issue that cuts across a lot of things and i do think the behavior of regular people in society has some effect on how sports will or won't be able to operate uh, in yeah. America right now. What is your, what are you, how do, what would you advise anybody right now? Whether it's somebody, someone you come across in the hospital in Oregon, whether it's somebody in your normal life who would ask you because they know um, that you're a resident, whether it's, it's anybody, what would you tell people about your best recommendations for behavior in the world right now? Yeah, my best recommendation is that if you're around a large group of persons, or especially persons that you may not live with, or that are coming from a different city, township, my advice is to wear a mask. If you are out in the public sphere, is to wear a mask, because it's not always about you. I'm about as healthy as it gets. I'm 31 years old, um, no comorbidities, no illnesses, uh, maybe a little exercise-induced asthma. My mom wants to tell me I still have from when I was a kid. Uh, just ran, you know, just ran on the track and ran like 54 seconds in a quarter mile. So I mean, I'm, and yet me wearing a mask is to help potentially others if I'm an asymptomatic carrier. So I would just say, and, and I know that wearing a mask is not comfortable. I do it all the time in my job as many 
nurses, physicians, anesthesiologists, surgeons, ear, nose, and throat physicians do. Like, it's not the most comfortable, but we do it in the hospital for a reason, and we're asking you to, to hear us and do it in your daily life. It's not a forever thing, but I think that getting to understand the importance of like, hey, when I walk out, I'm just going to have to put this mask on and, you know, I get back in my car, I can take it off is a new normal that we have to embrace as a society. And hey, you see, you guys can't see me, uh, but I like to smile a lot. I, my smile is gone with the mask. So tr- I'm, I'm here with you guys, but that's just a new normal that if we can embrace it, it can have a profound impact on others, their health, their well-being, and the potential for sports to come back sooner. So again, I would recommend your Twitter feed to anybody uh, at Dr. JC of the DC. It's a mix of, uh, of, of inspirational quotes with sunsets, uh, you dancing, uh, advice about dealing with COVID-19, and then there's a mix of anti-racism tweets in there. And, and that is simultaneously as we are fighting COVID-19, we are also seeing societal change right now. This obviously mm-hmm. is something that is important to you from the way that you tweet about it, Jason. Your, your pin tweet at the moment is tolerating racism is racism. This is another issue that has stretched into sports. Obviously, Ohio State's football team has been involved with this. We saw uh, that the, the college football in Mississippi was very involved in helping change the state flag of Mississippi. And that's kind of a symbolic thing. And it's, this is all certainly about more than symbols. This is about the system at large. How are you feeling right now as this simultaneously with this pandemic, we are also experiencing this change, this moment in American society where we see people are, are protesting. We see people are, you can look at, at polls and people are changing their minds. They are being more open-minded to being anti-racist, to understanding what that means. What's your view on that, Jason? Yeah, I think that the fact that we actually do not have sports right now is actually one thing that has helped turn the lens and and open the lens to being solely focused on uh, the societal change that we need that benefits everyone in society. Obviously, it's a benefit to the Black community, but it's a benefit to everyone uh, at large. And uh, trying to uh, fix, reform, and look into ways that we can better um, work with the police department, look into ways that we can increase funds for education, and put money back into communities that have been, um, I guess for better words, have, uh, funds have been removed historically, um, to really, to make change that's lasting and not change that's temporary. Uh, and, and like you said, you know, I know tolerating racism is racism. There's a lot of complexities into that. It's not necessarily that simple, but the idea is from, you know, uh, my understanding of, you know, how to be anti-racist. And it's the idea that, you know, we need to walk, uh, especially our allies, especially those that are non-Black, to walk against racism, to walk against bigotry, to walk against hatred, to not stand in this jurisdiction of, of allowance, even if it's not you that's actively saying certain words or actively being compliant, but to truly walk against that um, against that escalator, uh, that, is, that walkway, if you will, that is pretty heavily moving in the direction we don't want it to. At least that's how it has been historically. So I'm, I'm very happy with what I've seen so far, but I recognize that it's not what I see in 2020, but in 2021 and 2022 and 2025 that we're still having these conversations if they're necessary, and I have no doubt that they will be. So as a young black man who is a medical resident 
and who is a football fan and who is dancing with mascots and who has all this stuff going on in your life right now. Are you, do you walk around feeling hopeful? Do you walk around feeling stressed out? Do you walk around, what is, how, what is your daily existence like, Jason, when so much of the world is changing right now and you care about all of it and you care about what the Redskins are going to do and what the Buckeyes are going to do on the football field this year, but there are much larger things that you care about as well. Do you carry that as a burden? Like, do you feel like, man, there's just like, this is like a heavy time right now? Or do you carry it more as like, you know, just think about where we're going to be in a few years? How do you walk around on a daily basis? I love that question. Um, I carry it as an opportunity. And everybody that knows me knows I'm a I'm an optimistic guy and I'm a, you know, glass 90% full, just depends on how you look at it. So I recognize that this is a difficult time for many people for different reasons, job loss, um, home foreclosure. I mean, there's, there are so many things that are plaguing, obviously disease, illness, death, but I also look at it at a time for, for new physicians that are just graduating from medical school to actually come in and learn and see, wow, like, the impact that we can have on, you know, any person that walks in the hospital doors that comes into the emergency department, like look at what profound impact you can have. You know, I remember a mentor at from Ohio State once told me the first time that I ever felt needed was when I walked into the emergency room and a guy said, can you please help me, sir? And so this is, these times are, are times that they're going to write about in history. And to be a part of that is certainly nothing short of special. Um, I, I recognize that in every single moment, it might not always feel like that. You know, every moment might not feel like, oh, wow, like right now, uh, I, I'm super chipper. You know, I might, you know, even I feel sometimes downtrodden, but knowing that the next day is coming and that that gives more opportunity, more chance for, for overcoming adversity, more chance for um, accomplishing feats that maybe we never thought we would get to. And so, I mean, there are a lot of things I'm worried about, as you noted, you know, from the sports to the, to the, to the COVID-19 to anti-racism and, and societal change. But I just look to try to look at each one in its own, in its own, you know, compartmentalization and, and go from there because, you know, my Buckeyes, I can, I can favor them and know what's going to happen with my Washington football team. I'm like, okay, this is, you know, can we get five wins, you know? And so there's obviously a lot of, a lot of variation, but I am, I am optimistic that things are going to get better and that better is going to get even better. And it's going to stay like that. I know you, you have a lot going on, but you are putting yourself out there into the world. You have, do you have a blog? You do some writing. What are some other ways? That, what, what, are, what are other things that you're doing to sort of get your views on things out into the world? And how could people, beyond your Twitter account, how could people stay in touch and follow you? Yes, please. Yes, I, uh, I do have a blog. It's actually jcofthedc.blog. Uh, in the blog, you'll see actually I had a uh, op-eds that I've written for original newspapers like the Seattle Times, the Chicago Tribune. Uh, I wrote about LeBron James and the importance of education first, actually published in uh, cleveland.com. Uh, uh, I think it was last uh, year ago Christmas. Um, so I, I do love to write. I, I hope you'll check me out, jcofthedc.blog, uh, as well as following me at Dr. JC of the DC on Twitter or on Instagram. Uh, and my email and contact information is there if you, if you want to reach out. So see, there it is. It's like, okay, so I, my whole job is writing and I don't, I don't also do medicine on the side. 
right? You're, you, you could. <laughs> you're a medical resident, and then when you have a minute, you're right. That's the difference between our skill sets, Jason, and our chosen career paths. Just tell me. Well, I, yeah. I mean, right, come on. If I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, by the way, I'm Doug Maurice. I write every day. I podcast. And then also, I perform surgery on my neighbor on Thursday, <laughs> if you'd like to see me do that. It's not the same. Hey, maybe now you're going to go back to medical school, Doug. It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask you that. Man, how hard is medical school? Come on. Oh, it's, it's, it's gnarly. Yeah, medical school. The first two years of medical school are tough. Tough. I'm smiling right now. I shouldn't even be smiling. It is downright tough. Third year, you're in the, you know, on the medical wards. You are, you know, working with um, patients and starting to actually learn that craft. Um, then it gets a lot better. But the first two years of medical school are tough. All right. So when you came, grew up in the D.C. area, went to college at Emory, you come to Columbus. What did you what do you remember most about Columbus when you weren't studying, when you weren't going to football games? Uh, we got a lot of people listening here who are from the Columbus area, have visited Columbus area, went to Ohio State. What what were the things that you liked most about going to Ohio State besides the schooling? Sure. So I loved, you know, Columbus is a great 14th largest city in the country. I think people don't realize that. Um, I, I just really enjoyed, obviously, the food scene. The short north was great. Um, you know, just kind of walking down there, a lot of places where you could just, you know, sit and, and catch up with a friend or a colleague outside with a beer. I mean, stuff like that. It's just in, uh, enjoying and valuing the little things in life for, you know, one day you realize those were the big things. And um, I love that about Columbus. I love going to Hocking Hills. We did a canoe trip uh, two years, um, my medical school classmates and I, and it was just like, this is great. Like, you know, back in the wilderness and I've learned obviously coming out here to the Pacific Northwest, how important wilderness and being outdoors is to me. And I think that some of that started in Atlanta, more of that came from Columbus. Um, and like I said, the, the, the spirit, you know, it's not necessarily just a football. It's every Friday, scarlet and gray, the physicians, the staff, the custodial workers, um, the person, you know, serving you, serving you French fries at, at five guys. I mean, it was just all in. And I think that that's what I love about Ohio state so much. It's just all in. We love our, our institution. We love what we stand for. And that's something that I, I definitely cherish and miss a lot. So I can see Jason, he can't see me cause it's like three o'clock in the afternoon and I haven't showered yet. So I didn't put on my video, but he, he's on video. He's wearing an Ohio state track and field shirt. He's showing the camera lens right now. He is Buckeye through and through. Um, so the TikTok doc, Jason Campbell, Jason, I just sometimes want to talk to interesting people and you seem like an interesting person at a particularly interesting time. And so I am very curious. How did, how old did you say you were? 31. 31. You've got a yeah. lot ahead of you. And I am very curious to see where the TikTok doc decides to go uh, with yeah. the rest of his life. So um, crazy, crazy, man. So did you, hey, I appreciate it. I, I don't want to get too personal here, but you said, did you take a break between undergrad and medical yeah, school? And why? Yeah. How, how did you make that decision? Did you maybe not know for sure that you wanted to be a doctor? No, uh, man, Doug, great pickup there. Um, so I knew, but kind of knowing versus knowing, right? So so um, in high school, I was like, oh, I want to be a doctor. And I think sports medicine, because as a track athlete, I've had my own injuries. And then um, as a physician, you can even help people and, and my love for sports. And then in college, like I said, I majored in anthropology. I've always loved social sciences. I love English and writing. 
and I, I try to, you know, check off the, the boxes, you know, and I was like, okay, these pre-medical courses are, are pretty difficult. My grades were okay there, whereas they were a lot stronger in the English and social sciences. So I said, you're probably going to need to do a post-baccalaureate program, a, a master's program to bring those science grades up and to just keep your focus solely on that. And so I graduated. I did city year uh, in AmeriCorps program. Uh, where I was able to focus on inner city students in D.C. for uh, for 1,700 uh, service hours one year. After that, I went to Georgetown and George Mason University and did a joint master's program in physiology. Got my GPA up to right where I wanted it and uh, in upper level sciences and then applied the following year to medical school uh, while I was back at my alma mater at Georgetown Day School uh, coaching track and and uh, teaching science and, and, and dance, actually, you know, so uh, so I can tell you the dance has been there for a long time. But yeah, I, uh, I knew medicine. But when I did the master's program, it was very clear that, OK, this is the route for you. So you can dance, and you're also one of those guys with a, with a bunch of degrees on the wall. You're one of those guys. Yeah, like I I'm went one of those guys. here and here, and I got this, and it's like, I get it, Jason. You're smart. I get it. Um, awesome. Just like, just like degrees. Just like degrees. Yeah. I got one. I got one piece of paper that I got by the That's all you need. Team. That's all you need. Uh, don't tell anybody. Um, Jason, thank you for your time. Um, best of luck with everything you have ahead. Um, and, uh, and I think in the end that you were a better dancer than Brutus. I mean, is that... Thank you. Thank you. Well, so not... I'm just telling you, when I get back to 614, we're going to do this in person. So I hope that you're around, maybe even to jump in. But we're going to do either a huge cha-cha slide. Brutus and I are going to battle. So we have some things in the future. I will say, I am not good at science. I don't have very many degrees. I'm pretty good at the cha-cha slide. So I am in on that. Yes. I've been to enough, okay. enough daddy-daughter dances that I've done more than a few cha-cha slides in my day. Perfect. Um, well, we need to find, we'll find out from your daughter who, if, she, if you actually have the talent. But can't wait to see you. It's legit. Uh, Jason Campbell. <laughs> Jason Campbell, thank you so much for your time. The TikTok doc. Uh, keep fighting the good fight out there in Oregon. And uh, we will uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, look forward to an Ohio State football season. And maybe we'll have you back sometime just to talk a little Buckeyes and talk how Chase Young and Terry McLaurin and Dwayne Haskins are doing in Washington. Hey, I love that. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Jason. And that's it for this Buckeye Talk. Thanks to Brett Ciancia. Thanks to Jason Campbell. Thanks to you guys for listening. We'll see you Wednesday for the big rapid fire pod. I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk.